is for World of Work podcast with James and Jane. Hi, this is James. I wanted to let you know that as well as these podcasts, we deliver at least one free online seminar every month that you're welcome to attend wherever you are in the world. You can learn more about them and register for them via our website, www.worldofwork.io. That's www.worldofwork.io. Hello and welcome to this episode of the World of Work podcast. Today we are recording one of favorite types of episodes here at the World of Work Project. We're recording an episode all about a management challenge that you have shared with us. And today we are going to be talking all about learning and development for managers. And we've got a really special guest joining us. I'm incredibly excited about this because this person has been on the World of Work Project journey since the very beginning and has been someone that has been a friend to the the show and the organization for a long, long time. So we're super, super excited to have her here. Lorna, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to the World of Work audience? Yeah, absolutely. I'm Lorna and I lead a place-based team in a leading health charity in the UK. Brilliant. And you're very, very welcome to joining us today. And I know you've got a huge amount of experience in management and leadership in the nonprofit sector. I knew you in one of your previous roles when you were always like flying the flag for how to create better workplaces and how to make it better for the teams that you were leading and that you were around. So really, really excited. I know you're as passionate about people having a good time at work as James and I are. So it's lovely to have you here. Today's scenario that we're going to be sharing is based on a couple of different submissions that we had from listeners and we've kind of merged them. So today the scenario is that we're thinking about a manager of a team of six that's been in the role five or six months and their department head has said they're really positive about people prioritizing their own development. So they really want people to take control of their own development, but it's a pretty small organization and there are really limited resources. So the question is, in this scenario, what can this manager be doing to enable their own development and the development of their team members. So that's what we're going to be exploring today. And I guess I'm going to start right at the beginning with like personal experiences. Lorna, is that something you've experienced? Is this something you've seen elsewhere, either in organizations you've worked in or in your networks? Yeah, absolutely. Luckily, I'm in an organization now where that isn't the case, but up until seven months ago, absolutely worked in really small organizations, charities that didn't necessarily have a big budget towards learning and development didn't necessarily have that process embedded into how they work. And it was a bit of of muddle to try and work through how you would put that into practice with your team. Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? I look back now on my time in the smaller organizations. And I flip-flopped, I think probably a little bit like you, I flip-flopped between bigger and smaller organizations a couple of times in my career as I moved through it. And I think when I joined a small organization, Like it just, it was such a shock to me that this was all like, wasn't going to happen unless I actually did it. And what was even more interesting is like, if I had someone who was really early in their career in in my team, like I realized I had to kind of make sure they were at least thinking about that stuff thing. Is that something you saw? I've noticed that you have to control people regardless of how experienced or, or not they are in terms of the years they've been within the workforce. I think it's almost a really uncomfortable and awkward conversation to have with learning and development. And one of my teams, I had staff that were older than me and had been through many organizations. 
and actually having a conversation with them, a bit weird to start off with, to turn around and say, have you thought about your professional development and what training or, or what skills you might want to sharpen? And for them, it was a bit of like, oh, we're going to have a proper conversation about this. That's unusual. But I think once you get into a pattern, everyone really benefits from it, both as people who can share what they know, but also people who can learn new things and, and want to learn new things. Yeah. And you mentioned a little bit there about like the benefits. What, like everything we do on the World of Work podcast, we like, hopefully we pick topics that are important and useful. Why do you think we should talk about this more? Like what happens do you think when managers get it right and what happens when they don't? I think when I um, started really paying attention to it, because it's definitely not something I had when I first started in my career and definitely not the first couple of times I was a manager, I didn't really twig. But I think once I started to properly use it and start bringing out the skills that my team had got and also started to help them think about how they could be the best at what they currently are, but also what they want to be in the future, what it does is help with a better distribution of resource. So you start to be able to delegate better because actually you know there are members of your team that have got a real passion for something or want to end up doing that kind of work. So you can actually make sharper decisions about delegation. It also opens up more trust between a team because it's not me as the manager saying, here's the best advice for what you want to do or here's how to work through something. You're actually able to buddy people up and and share experiences and they get more confident speaking up and saying, well, actually, I've got some experience, I can help you with that, or I, I've done this before and I can lend you my, my stuff to work through it, and equally being brave enough to go, I don't know how to do this and I'd like to learn who can help me. So I think it really does strengthen the relationships and the capabilities of your team. Yeah, I think I'd agree. And I think when it doesn't happen, on a really a quite a transactional basis, I think when it doesn't happen, I think people leave sooner in small organisations because there's less for them to go less places for them to go. I think generally my experience is, and like, I will talk about this till I'm blue in the face, or whatever the metaphor would be, that small organizations fundamentally have to help people leave because they can't stay forever because there isn't a job. But I do think you can keep them a little bit longer and get more out of them and more out of the relationship and they can get more out of your their working place with you if they're happy by giving them a bit more space to learn and develop. And I think certainly... I would say for me, speaking anecdotally from a sample of one, that I stayed at least a year longer in two jobs because I felt that that place that I was in was a place where I was still growing, even if the job itself, I was kind of moved past. Anything, any other thoughts about like what happens when we don't do it aside from that? I actually think you're right. People do leave. And I also think you don't get the most impactful and successful pieces of work if you don't encourage that development. You get the experience and knowledge of that individual and maybe their manager's input through their sort of one-to-ones and that challenge in that perspective. But I think if you start thinking about training and development, you actually start to broaden someone's ideas and horizons. The more ideas you've got going into finalising a programme, the better it is, the more balanced it is in relation to the people who are going to experience the outcome of that piece of work. So I think when you don't do that stuff and don't invest in it, you end up with things that aren't as impactful as they could be. Yeah. And you just maybe I was just thinking about what you're saying. And it's just occurred to me that the opposite is also true around people leaving. Like if you don't expand someone's horizon and help them grow, then they get stuck. Right. Quite often they're like and we've all seen this, particularly in, in purpose before profit organizations. Right. Where you really care about the subject. Quite often you see people stay longer than probably is good for them in terms of stretch and satisfaction. 
But sometimes I've gone into organizations and I'm like, I realize they, the only reason they haven't considered it is because they don't really know what else is out there and they don't really understand their skill set. They're like, I'm good at this job. And I'm like, but you could do so much more. And I think quite often I've seen people who are frustrated and stuck. And you're like, if someone had just spent a little bit of time with you, you would have grown, you probably would have moved on. And yes, in the short term, they would have lost you, but you might even have come back in a different role, but you definitely wouldn't now be stuck here feeling a little bit resentful. I don't know. Is that something that you recognize? Yeah. I'm actually thinking of people as as you're talking and going like, yep, I recognize some of colleagues and past roles that have definitely been in that position. And I think when you, there's always this idea that if they're being trained up, they're going to leave and take that somewhere else. I'm like, yeah, they might, and they probably will. And in truth, maybe that's actually what we want because then they're spreading the message of how we do things and what we do to somewhere else. They're talking positively about working for us as an experience. So we get a higher caliber of people applying for jobs because actually they can really see the benefit of that. I really admired the internship that we had at London Sport where you would have students coming in on a year's placement, but they talk so positively about the training and development support they got over that year instead of, you know, potentially some experiences they might, they friends of theirs were having as a bit of a dog's body. That's not what London Sport were doing. They were really putting time and effort into training and it would pay off the following year because we'd get even more high caliber students from those universities and from other universities going, this is a really good placement and I want it. So it really had a benefit. It's funny, isn't it? I look back and I just think about the organization. So, so for, for those listening, Lorna and I worked in organizations that kind of crossed paths in a number of ways over our career, over certainly my earlier career. And when I was at one particular small organization, I mean, I left that place uh, 15 years ago, I think. That'd be right. That, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. You no, don't want it to be right. No, nine years ago. I left nine years ago and I am still the proudest thing of everything. The proudest I am is of where the people who were in our organization went afterwards. Like I'm still prouder of that than anything else because I think, I just think there's something really beautiful about being able to open someone's horizons and also help them find their skills, help them find their strengths. And I know, I understand in big corporate organizations with huge workforces, there's lots of places you can move people. So they're thinking about that. But even if, I mean, I know this scenario is very much about small, but if even if you're in a big corporate, you can still help a person find their next job in the organization somewhere else. And if you hang on to people, <laughs> I don't want to go cliche, Lorna, but it's if you love them, set them free, right? It's yeah. that thing of be part of their success story. Don't be the reason that they're still there doing the job that they were doing four years ago because you didn't give them the skills they needed. Yeah, um, I definitely like it when I hear back from previous team members that I've line managed and they're telling me about what their next career step is or, or what they're doing now. And there's an element of just being like, I knew it. I knew you were going to be that awesome. Like I just, I could sense it. And I'm really glad that I managed to give you the confidence to move into those things. And I know I'm not the only part of that, but it it makes me feel like vindicated for having so much faith in them, particularly when I was maybe giving them something that, that was really challenging because I knew where they wanted to go eventually. And maybe there was a bit more resistance from the rest of the organization about me handing that particular piece of work over to them and feeling like, yeah, actually it was the right thing. And they did get the level of support they needed from me to really benefit from that. And they've gone on to amazing things off the back of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's look at this scenario a little bit more detail then. So we've got this person, they're managing a team of six. They haven't been in the role that long, still in the first sort of six months of the role. They've got an organization that's very positive about development, but with limited resources. 
what would you do or what have you done in that situation in the past that you would say, yeah, that's the way to do this or approach this? I think it's about working out what we mean by limited resources. Often people think that training and development is about having a budget that means you can pay for a course. And actually, that's quite frequently the bit that we're light on resources for. And there's ways to deal with that. So previous organizations I've worked for have obviously gone out for funding. So I've applied for funding. And I think when you're looking at full cost recovery, you quite often put in there things to do with the program itself, including training and development for the recipients, but actually training and development for your staff to be able to deliver that work is totally justified. And I think so looking for smart things like that, where you can increase your budget for the things where you need to pay for a course, absolutely. But it's the other side of it that I perhaps prefer to look at and find most useful is starting to think about the assets you've got within the organization in terms of what have people been doing previously and are those skills useful to somebody else within the organization so how do you set up some of that mentoring how do you do some of those shared learning events and sort of trying to set up some of that understanding that we have a duty to each other to be able to share what we've got so that resource question I think is a really if you start breaking it down into different ways that people might learn and might develop, then you can start thinking about, well, actually, what have we got available? Have we got a couple of new programs that are about to start and they need to be project managed? And are there a couple of people who would really like to develop their project management skills? You know, can we actually help them by having them supported by somebody who's really experienced in that, but actually they're responsible for sorting out that project and making the decisions. This person's just there to mentor them and and coach them, but actually they're going to do it. That's a huge skill development for them. But it hasn't cost the organization anything. We were going to run this program anyway, or it it has cost the organization, but it's cost a bit of time of somebody who would have ended up project managing that themselves if they hadn't have given it and delegated it. So I think there's things like that where you can be smart. Yeah. And I'm always surprised. And maybe this comes from being a really small organization where we all sat in the same room. But I'm always surprised how little we see work shadowing and like attendance at meetings or note take. So like, I never forget one of my bosses, any excuse he could find to have an extra couple of people at the board meeting for like, I don't know, organizing the papers or taking notes or because he was like, I don't really need this. It's nice to have, but I don't really need this. What we need is you exposed to this environment, A, because it's great for us as a team, because if you understand what goes on in there, you're much more likely to understand why I'm telling you what to prioritize. But also the next time you go to an interview, you can talk about the fact that you were on board and not many people at that level can. I think for me, the where I learned so much was in the social interactions after meetings where I'd gone along with someone, whether it was the head of IT at the LTL, whatever, I'd go to something and he'd be like, right, I want you to come with me. I want you to understand what these people think. And then he'd take me for a cup of coffee afterwards and he'd be like, tell me what you thought. And I, well, I was really surprised you said, said that. Why did you say that? Well, let me explain my tactics. And that narration of a someone who's better at it, I feel like I feel like I see less and less of that. And I know hybrid and remote contributes to it. I do get that, but still, it all it's costing is the organisation is a little bit of that person's time. And, and honestly, even a couple of a couple of chances to attend things that you've never attended before can really skew your view of an organisation. Yeah, I think you flagged a really interesting thing there. It's the follow-up really matters. Yeah. So we run events at the moment for wider workforce, you know, our organization. And one of the things I think is really important is after the event, we have a debrief. And it's not so much 
like, do we was the event good? Although that's obviously a part of it, but it's the practicalities. What would we do differently next time? What maybe didn't go the way we wanted it to? All of those things are a learning experience. And I think taking that five minutes after a meeting to go, what did you think about it? Again, we invite the team to come to senior leadership meetings and uh, sometimes they're involved in discussions, but largely they're just coming to observe. And I'm always just like, if you come along following that meeting, we can have a chat about it. So you can actually ask about what went on or some of the decisions that got made. And I think it's putting that little bit of effort in to actually go, you can ask me the bits that you weren't certain of. And I think those are the bits that as managers, if we're serious about the development of our teams need to be built into how we behave I've been trying really hard and it's an area I'm quite weak at and it's something I'm really trying to improve is giving feedback in the moment. And we're quite good at doing like negative feedback. This was really bad, blah, 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 blah. Um, But I'm trying to give positive feedback. So I'm trying to see something and go, that was good. This is why I felt it was good and why I thought it was useful. Would you like to talk about it a bit more? Because I think lots of time people need a bit of encouragement that the thing they've just done, the way they've presented, the way they've talked through something was well received, was understood at a senior level and actually do more of that. That's great. So I I do think that follow-up is really important to development. Yeah, I think you're so right. I also think, I'm going to be a bit controversial here. I love coaching. I love coaching-based questions. I love coaching skills. I think managers should have coaching skills. But I also think that sometimes managers are a little bit afraid to give their way. Like, here's why I did it this way. And here's how I would have done it. And there's definitely a balance and you definitely want to give people a chance to share their views and their perspectives first. But I think the times when someone looked me in the eye and said, it's not how I would have done it. And here's why. And maybe it wouldn't have been any better, but if nothing else, if you've got a second option, then you know you've got a second option in the future. And I think also taking the time, as you say, to explain why you've gone about things a certain way and letting people think about it. So that the follow-up is everything. I do wonder if that's why things like work shadowing and training don't deliver quite what people want them to. Because I think it's the same with training. The number of times I see people go into training and yet because the manager doesn't know what's in it, there's no real follow-up of how it's going to be applied and it just kind of drifts. Do you know what I mean? It's knowledge they have, but it doesn't necessarily get applied. Yeah. And I I think I've tried before with usually project teams where someone's needed to go on a bit of training or, or development to explore the topic or the thing that's going on. I've always been, and I try to do this with all my staff, like when you go, either before you're going along to this thing, work out if there's some stuff other people might want to learn from this. They're not going, can you find that stuff out for them? Um, but equally, particularly when they're going to things like conferences and stuff like that, you're going to hear lots of things that will be useful to other people. Jot them down, share that information. It's helpful. But I think I always try and say afterwards, right, how is this going to change what we do? And if the answer is, everything I heard actually gave me confidence that what we're doing is the right thing. That's great. That's still something useful. It's backed up our decisions, but largely you'll usually learn something that goes, actually, if we added that to what we're doing or we changed how we're doing it, this would be even more impactful. And I think that's what you're trying to encourage out. The experience of being there on the day, great, but actually how does this interlink back? So I I do try and build that into my one-to-ones with staff. There's an element of learning and development and we discuss what's going on well if they've been to something I want to understand how that has changed their opinion about the work they're doing or could change the opinion of the work we are doing yeah definitely okay so continuing with the scenario you and I both know there's a I don't want to go a million because that's rather a rather an exaggeration but there are so many ways that we can develop people 
and there are so many topics and there, I mean, it's overwhelming sometimes the method, the to- is it training? Is it shadowing? And then you've got the topics. Is it about confidence? Is it feedback? Is it about technical skills? There's so, so, so much. What do you think is really important for a manager to know or understand about the person? So either about themselves or about like, if they're thinking about development of someone or more of their team, what do you think is really important that they should know or should, should ask or should explore in order to try and figure out the right thing for them? I um, have a little sort of structured system that I do when I'm first having this conversation. And I ultimately ask member of staff ahead of the meeting to have a bit of a think about it from two perspectives. One is what do I need to do to be the best version of whatever I am right now? So it's sort of that this job requires X, where do I think I potentially could be stronger? And the other one I ask them to do is I do the classic primary school teacher, what do you want to be when you grow up type of question? I basically say, think about where you want to be in the future. Understand and let's understand those two things. And for some of my staff in the past, it's that future version. They're not ready for that yet. And they've openly said to me, I thought about it. I'm not ready to think about what I want to do next. I want to get this right. And that's great. That helps me focus on that that side of things. For others, they're like, yeah, it's a balance between the two. Or they might not know where they want to be in the future, but they want help unpicking that. So that helps me with my starting point in terms of that question. And then I'm trying to get the balance of what I'm doing with them to match those two things. So they are doing some stuff that helps them be brilliant at what they're doing right now, but they're also doing some things that help them be the future version of themselves. And I think the other part that I bring into the questions is I start to ask them things about how they like to learn and what it is that they find most comfortable. Because the idea of shadowing somebody isn't going to work for everybody. They're not going to be comfortable with that. Some people love going on a virtual online course and they're quite happy with that. Others hate it because they feel like the interaction isn't there in the way that they would want it to be. And I think you don't, until you sit down and think about it, you don't actually start to understand whether you're the kind of person who likes to read articles and take notes or not. So I definitely try to understand the individual's preferences so that I can start to think smarter and align better to their needs. And what about for you? So when you've been in this position and there's been limited resources, like how, you know, you talked earlier about like self-awareness and, and you know, being in touch with that. How do you stay on top of thinking about, because it's a bit meta, isn't it? I'm thinking about me thinking about what I need at the moment. But what, like, do you just have go-tos that you've always known work for you in terms of learning? Or do you have a list that you keep? In what way do you sort of decide what would help and serve you in your role or situation? Great question. Eye-opening for me was when somebody turned around and said, why should your learning and development be tied to the organization you're working for and the job you're doing right now? And that was like a light bulb moment <laughs> where I just went, oh yeah, I'm in control of this and it should be. So I actually have a little personal development plan that spans five years and it does that balance of what do I need to be brilliant at this and what do I need to be, where am I trying to go for the future? And my go-to when I haven't been able to work out what do I think the future should look like, because I'm not usually a plan ahead. I know I'm going to be here at this point and here at this point. What I tend to do is I tend to kind of look at job roles that are out and go, well, what does it say on the list of job descriptions? And where are the ones where I've never had experience of that? Or I've, you know, my experience of that is really limited. And I'd like to, if I wanted this job, I'd have to 
have that. And then I start, so that's when I start having like, not so much a list of it, but I'm like more aware of it. So there was a period in time where I hadn't done anything really around risk management. And I was like, well, I'm going to need that. It comes up all the time. How am I going to get that experience? And I sat down with the person in our organization that handled and had built our risk register and all of that kind of stuff. And I said, explain it to me, talk me through it. And then the next time I planned a program, I tried to apply what he'd built to that program. And then I sat down with him again and said, I've tried to apply it. Can we talk through what I've done? And he was brilliant. You know, he gave me 45 minutes the first time round, half an hour the second time round. And I just got a bit more confident at it. So I'd started to get opportunities of where I was doing it. And I think those things, and I look broader than work as well. Like I try not to just, there's that big jump between never been a line manager, suddenly been a line manager. And it seems to be the line that it takes forever to cross because they're like, oh, you haven't got that experience. So we don't want you for this job. And it's a real hurdle, I think, for um, career progression. So I started looking at it more broadly. Where have I got experiences that are akin to being a line manager that I can start talking about when I'm saying that I think I could do this job and starting to think broader than my actual core role and what it said made it easier for me to find opportunities to do it and then talk about it when I was trying to career progress. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I love that idea of having, I just, it's really interesting because on the one hand, I don't, I'm really passionate about organizations having like you said about your place right now about having and supporting learning and development but I also think that the autonomy and control has to sit with the person because fundamentally a we know that motivates them but also just it's got you've got to take without sounding like a real cliche you've got to take control of your own life and you don't want to be on someone else's plan and I think 30 years ago maybe that was a good idea because you were going to stay there was a high chance you were going to stay in the same organization or maybe two organizations it's not like that anymore. And so having this this much broader perspective of your life and work, I think so valuable. On the flip side, if you're a manager, you obviously are trying to both help your team, help the individuals in your team, but also you want the team to perform and you want, the, you, you want to be able to do what the organization is seeking from you as a team. So what do you think is helpful to think about or know about the organization that you're in as a manager in order to be able to make good choices for the development of people? I think the first part of it is the leadership's commitment to learning and development and their view on it. Because if they're really positive and proactive about it, it makes having some of those conversations a lot easier. But if they are more dubious about whether it really does have an impact or feel that doing it means staff will leave, then you're in a, it's a much more difficult conversation. And I've experienced both of those And I've had to really justify some of the things I've done, which have been about staff development, when faced by a bunch of people that were like, we don't think you should be developing the staff. We're quite happy that they should do what they're supposed to do. And that's it. So I think that's the first thing to understand. If they're committed to it, then understand like, what is the budget that already sits there? Because chances are there is a budget. And because it's not aligned to specific pieces of work, maybe the person who knows about it is HR. And that's, that's it. So getting an awareness of if there is a budget, How do you apply for it? How do you access it? What are the kind of boundaries to that? Because that gives you a clearer picture of the kinds of things that might come up from your team that don't work. And then it's kind of the ability to kind of go, well, are we in a learning culture as an organization? So we're committed to it. What are the other ways that we are showing people that we're happy to teach and learn and share that information across the organization? And what are therefore the behaviors that need to be seen leaders from managers 
that encourage staff to start taking responsibility. Because whilst I think it should be the individual's perspective that helps them decide what it is they want to learn, I think having the confidence to speak up, ask for it, or share what they know has to come from seeing that modelled by senior leaders within the organisation. So I do think there's a commitment that has to be made within the organisation to encourage that to become a culture. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I did a piece of work, James and I did a piece of work with a, they're not a competitor of yours, but a similar sized non-profit in a different area of charitable action. And we did this piece of research about like what influences people's experience. We went back to the sort of academic literature, but we didn't put it in. We kept it and James and I had it in. We had sort of a lot of Edgar Shine's work and, and a lot of the work around culture and we'd kind of kept it to the side. But in the meantime, for completely sort of transparently, we, they went out and they asked, what does good personal development look like? And the organize, one of the sort of leading organizational themes was, well, it looks like when leaders advocate for it and leaders create space for it, they ask about it, they show interest in it, and they, they demonstrate it, they role model it, and they are giving of their time to help others. And it was like, it, you know, that was one of many themes, but it was just really interesting because I was like, yeah, everything that we know, we see and we experience, but sometimes we forget because I think we're so busy, I don't know, I think sometimes we're so busy like trying to find the money to fund it as leaders and managers, we're like, yeah, found the money, you've got it, off you go, rather than actually, sometimes it's just the question afterwards of how did you find it? What was it like? What have you taken from it? It's like, oh, you care. This is important to you and you want to see me move forward. I think that's a great shout. I'm going to ask you a little bit about, I guess, is a double question, so apologies. How do you stay aware or how do you think people should or could be aware of what good stuff is out there for managers in particular? Because I do think, I mean, and you know this, we've talked about this before, both in programs that we run and also just anecdotally, it's very difficult to find your way through some of the management stuff that's out there. Do you have like a particular routine or do you have sources you go to? Where do you, what do you look at? On top of obviously looking at your podcast, which you've already <laughs> been around while it works since the beginning and, and the stuff you guys do. I think if I go back to that comment I made earlier about understanding how different people want to learn things and yeah. find things out that if you really build on that, then you actually get lots of different avenues. So what I mean by that is you can end up with people posting. I've had my current organization, I've set up folders to do with areas of interest. And some of it's to do with things like psychological safety, which we started to be interested in, but maybe don't know what to explore. And other stuff is to do specifically with the roles within the organization and the work that we do. What we're encouraging is people to put links to things in there. So if they like listening to podcasts, put the podcasts you listen to in there and nudge people on it. If you like reading stuff, put the articles that you've been been reading in there. And I think that's become sort of my go-to is if you find something out, share it because you don't know who else will find that useful or wants to learn from it. So I think I come across loads of things. One of my favorite is the Harvard Business Review, like daily tip, management tip. And it covers all kinds of stuff from like self-management, leadership, marketing, like all kinds of stuff. But I love that little tip every day. And the amount of times I get a tip through that's something to do with something a member of staff has just talked about. And I'm like, I'll just forward that to them because then there's a link to an article that backs it up and will give them further information. So I think that's really helpful, particularly when you hear about things that are 
you know, events that are coming up or workshops. But again, if you know what people are interested in, it makes it easier to go, oh, I spotted something that you've said you're interested in and send it. And by behaving like that, they get the confidence to do the same back and to then almost pay that forward as well and start passing things to other people and going, you mentioned you were interested in this or this is useful for your area of work. I do think spotting and understanding all those different formats is really useful and appreciating if you're not the kind of person who goes into podcasts that you might might somebody else to investigate that rather than you taking on a task that is a bit arduous to you. So share out finding those resources and sharing them. Yeah, that's there's loads of lovely tips in there. So thank you for that. There's lots. I think the shared stuff is just so important. We just so, I think the way we're consuming at the moment, like social media and videos, all of that stuff means that it's quite an individual experience, especially with algorithms and stuff. And I think the joy of like having something shoved onto your timeline from someone that's completely different from what you might have explored is so important when the world where like it's narrowing all the time with the algorithm, it's constantly telling us, no, you told us you like this, so you like this. And then suddenly if you do that to me, for example, I get this shove of data onto my algorithms like Lorna's just recommended this. Well, I've never even heard of this person before. So I think I'd love us all to fight that a little bit by sharing a little bit more. It's a great, great point. Thinking back to this manager that we're talking about. So this person's running their team. They're trying to do this. Maybe they haven't faced this problem before. What skills and capabilities are going to help them? What's going to help them be better at supporting their team to develop, do you think? If I think if they've never done this before, they will need some support to be able to do it. And they'll need to kind of use their manager and their one-to-ones to talk through what they're trying and what is working and what isn't and to openly acknowledge the bits where they're struggling with it and the reality of you know sometimes you're having that conversation with someone who is not good doing that personal development with their staff anyway so you're if that was me it might be my line manager's terrible at it but I still need to have a conversation with them I still need to have a sounding board situation And I think there are times when that has been my line manager and regardless of whether or not they've wanted to talk to me about it, I've needed to talk about it. It's my one-to-one. So we're talking about the things I need to talk about. But there are other times when I've been like, actually, I've got a friend, definitely messaged you a few times where I need someone who knows what I'm talking about or knows the sector well enough or the situation well enough for me to be able to go, I'm having this problem. Where can I look to help me work through that? Because it is a confidence thing to somebody else about their personal development because you are fearful, or I personally have been fearful in the past of, am I about to offend this person by suggesting that they might need training? That's not where, my, where I'm coming from. That's not the intention I have. But are they going to react in a way that is like, what are you telling me I'm rubbish? And it's just like, no, 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 no. So I think you come to the conversation with that fear. And actually, I've never been challenged like that by any of my staff. And alarmingly, I have managed around about 25 people in my career so far, which makes me sound older than 41. But there you go. And I think, but there's never been queried like that, but yet it is always my fear. And, you know, the organization with now haven't been there very long. It was still my fear speaking to those staff and saying, where are we from a learning and development perspective? What would be helpful to you? And yet none of them came back and went, what do you think I'm terrible at my job? Because that's not the truth. Yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? I was thinking about like, as I was asking the question, I was thinking about what we have in Connected Management, because I was trying to go through like, which are the things that we know is useful, but that help. And I still, I will come back every time to self-awareness. Every time I will come back to self-awareness as being something. If you as a manager have an understanding of your own limitations and can articulate it to that other person, 
then they will never feel like you've just described, will they? Because you're like standing in front of, you're just a girl standing in front of a boy. You're just a girl. You're just a person standing in front of another person saying, hey, let me share where I know I'm trying to grow and how valuable I find it. And let me maybe talk to you and hear about what you do. And if you haven't thought about it before, maybe I can help you think about that. But I think if you can't, it's almost like a hygiene factor. If you don't have that self-awareness, and if you haven't worked to build that understanding of yourself, then it's almost inevitably going to come across poorly. Because I think if your manager that has no self-awareness is saying to you, hey, where do you think you can grow? My first response, and I'm probably a less compassionate person than the average person, so maybe other people would be better at it. But my first response, I think, is going to be, I don't know, what are yours? Because I'm like, mm, you don't seem to be aware of where you're not getting it right here. So why are you asking that? So I kind of, I went around in that circle and I thought, yes, yeah, it's, it's got to be, for me, it's got to be self-awareness. And I think the other thing probably is just, and I don't like the phrase, and I love Carol Dweck's work, but I don't like the phrase growth mindset because in itself, it feels like a very specific, it feels not scalar. It feels much more like you either have it or you don't. I think you have to believe that everyone has space to grow. And I don't know if yeah. that's a skill. But I no, do think I, you have to believe that. I completely agree with that. And and the comment about growth mindset as well. I've had a big debate on that on a course recently. Um, and that's absolutely the debate we had about, is it one or the other? No. But I think sometimes you are faced with a situation where you know that that person can develop, can be different, and they are not in a space where they think they, they're not even recognising that is an area they need to improve or they're not or they completely lack the confidence to even be brave enough and try that. And actually, it's you have to, as a manager, think carefully about how to start them on the journey without saying to them, this is an area you need to develop in and I'm going to be doing these things. So you end up having to like really tactically of try and shuffle and move things that actually are stretching them and helping them develop without them realising it and you having to say it until you get into a certain point where they're ready to have that conversation. And there are definitely times when I've got that right. And there are definitely times where I've got that wrong, but it's worth it for being able to sit there and really think carefully about that person and where I want them to be. Because ultimately if I can get them to there, my life becomes a hell of a lot easier. Their life becomes a hell of a lot easier. We do greater things. So it is worth it. But for those scenarios, it is very slow. It is very subtle. It is very test and learn. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I think we've got time for just one more question around the actual scenario, which would be uh, my favourite question. As a listener, you may even know the question. Overall, if you could give this person one piece of advice, what would be the Lorna advice? Break it down and approach it tactically in terms of what you've actually got. So think about all of the different possibles work out which ones are easiest and then start with those and work towards the harder ones. So get yourself the scenario you want. So if you haven't got a budget, use the things that don't require any money, work with the people who benefit from that the most, and then start working and worrying about the others. It's okay for two of your team to be developing and getting that support first because they're the ones ready for it and be slowly maneuvering the others into that place. What's not okay is to not think about the others. So I would say, don't feel you've got to do everything immediately all at once. Break it down, work through it logically, take your time, but be mindful that you're always working towards this final point of where everyone is on that development journey. So I would absolutely agree with that. And I think my advice would be 
spend more time with other managers. So I am always surprised how little time in, even within organizations, how little time, but I spend loads of time with my team and I spend loads of time with my team, like my boss. And I'm like, what about other managers outside of your team? What about other managers in other organizations or in other sectors? And I'm really passionate about like my belief, and maybe it's just the way I learn, but my belief is if I talk to different people, like every time I talk to you, I learn something new about how you've done something. And that makes me go, oh, it makes me go, oh, maybe I need to change, change my thinking around that. And I just, I think I worry sometimes that some of the managers that care most about this prioritize their own learning the least. And inadvertently that hinders their team. So inadvertently, they're so busy thinking about their team and the organization that they're not expanding their own horizons. And I think fundamentally when managers learn more, by nature, you almost can't not learn from that if they are a sharing person. So I think definitely your point around breaking it down and not trying to fix everything at once, not trying to move everyone at once. But I would also say go out and a bit more external or or a bit more engaged with others and learn how others do things. Um, yeah, and I think I, I, the one that always shocks me is in the organization, Lorna. That's one that shocks me. Like you're in an organization with all these brilliant people. And we do workshops for a couple of organizations and they have all these managers sign on to these workshops and they all come and we, every time we say to them, our advice is you could have 80% of these conversations without us. We love helping you. We always love helping you, but don't forget to have talk to each other when you get stuck. And they just don't sometimes. Yeah, I completely agree. I have got a network of people that are managers across loads of different organizations and my own organization. And I talk to them about what they're doing and what's going on and ask them questions. Sometimes I'm like, ask three or four of them to get a view. Sometimes I'll go to someone specific because I know the scenario they're in. But yeah, the strength you get from talking to other people is just unbelievable and a really easy way to learn. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I love juries. So that's one of the reasons that triggered for me was because you were talking about the, the risk story. And I just love the idea mentoring doesn't have to be like some big grand thing. It could be two 30-minute, 40-minute chats where could you just explain this one thing from someone else in the organization? I definitely don't think we do that enough. Okay, that I think is all we've got time for in this scenario. So that just leaves me to ask you one last question. As you know, we're very passionate about personal reflection on the world of work. And we tend to ask, our, we like to be a bit meta sometimes as well. So we like to ask guests what they're taking from the conversation. So I guess that's the question. Like we've talked a little bit about management and personal development for managers. What are you taking from today's conversation? I actually think it's the point you've made right at the end, because I haven't yet thought about that in my current organisation in terms of asking my staff whether they actually connect beyond their current direct pool of people. And we're a huge organisation and there are people at their level across the entire organisation who have different experiences and are facing different things. And I'm not sure that they are connected in that way. And I just want to make sure that they have and are aware of that opportunity. And I don't think I've explored that well enough with them. So that is definitely a reflection for me that I'd like to go back and actually work through that with them. Yeah, I love that. And for me, I think um, definitely that story about the risks just stuck with, really stuck with me because I just, I think in the world of paid programs and large interventions and year-long mentoring relationships. I just don't think it needs to be that complicated. And ironically, the evidence, the academic evidence, the research shows us that development networks are far more powerful than one-to-one. Well, not far more, but they are more influential than one-to-one. So when we understand how we can seek lots of advice from lots of different people and lots of support and mentorship, we're much more likely to get benefit from it. 
So yeah, that story is going to stick with me for a while. It's going to make me look at everyone and go, in 30 minutes, what can I learn from you? What problem of mine could you solve? I used to do that with our interns. I used to get them to sort of go, so someone in the organization that you're just curious about how they got to where they got to and what it is they do. And they'd be like, yeah, there is, it'll be whoever. And I'd be like, right, book a meeting with them. They'll tell you, they'll give you their life story and, and explain how they got to where they got to. Just ask them for half an hour. Most people will give that time. They're willing to. Like I've rarely meet somebody who goes, no, like, I'm too busy. I, I've, I've asked you execs of organizations before. Could I just have a bit of time with you to understand like, your view on where things are and what's going on. And, and they've always been brilliant. I am a guy who was my manager for a while. And then I was on the leadership team with him, Matt, and he's a lovely, lovely man. And he just used to message people on LinkedIn. And sometimes they said yes. And sometimes they didn't answer. But you know yeah. what? That's really all they can do is say no, say yes or not answer. And he was like, but any, if I did a hundred and only one comes back, but it's a really useful conversation. Why wouldn't I do it? It's free. And he used to offer to buy them a coffee. He said, I'll come to you. I'll buy you a coffee. And I just, I, I think there's something really, really brilliant about that. Okay, that's all we've got time for today, unfortunately. But it's been an absolute, oh, it's been like taking a, taking, I don't know what the phrase is, which doesn't sound weird, but it's been an absolute, like putting a cozy blanket around me chatting to you about this. It's a topic I care about and I'm really passionate about. It's clearly a topic you care about and have done a lot of thinking around. So hopefully that's been a really helpful conversation for some of the managers in the listenership who are facing this at the moment, it's just time for me to say a massive thank you to you, Lorna, and goodbye from me and hope to see you all again soon. Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, as well as these podcasts, we deliver at least one free online seminar every month that everyone can attend. You can sign up for these and our newsletter, The Wow Mail, on our website www.worldofwork.io That's www.worldofwork.io